Let's start with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, I just bow before you this day and pray for your blessings for all those that are here. And then I let you know, Lord, and you do know that my heart is full this morning. And I hope, Lord, for a blessing here for everyone present. And Lord, we ask your blessings upon this uh, this congregation, this state, this nation, Lord. We certainly need your help. We pray for a great revival. We pray for an awakening. For without you, Lord, we will fail and fall. So bless us, Lord, with that. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm uh, <clears throat> going to say something I didn't plan to say this morning. Uh, the, you know, the picture that was up in the back, front and back, about the old nails and the hammer laying at the foot of the cross. Just uh, It reminds me that we're here to celebrate the resurrection. But before you can have a resurrection, in his case, there had to be a crucifixion. And I thought to myself what it would be like to be nailed to a cross with those old long spikes, the old rusty looking spikes were up there. I'm sure that what a painful way to die. And I am thankful that our Lord and our Savior endured that for us. It was our sins that moved him to go to the cross. And by the way, no one took his life. He gave it. He laid down his life that we might live. And that is uh, one of the themes that we're dealing with this morning. Job said that if a man live, die, will he live again? Well, let's just kind of remember that in the back of our mind as we go through this. It is a question that I think everybody asks themselves at one time or another. If they get serious with it, it would the best thing be to move them to except the Lord is Lord and Savior, Jesus is Lord and Savior. We're going to look at, uh, in the Old Testament this morning, uh, and uh, you can find resurrection there, but it's not the usual place that we, on a Easter day, that we would start. There's a lot of information on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there was also some in the Old Testament. For example, turn to Psalm 16, verse 8. <clears throat> this is probably going to be a little bit different this morning. It's, a, it's a, the kind of sermon where you go from Scripture to Scripture. Now, to me, that's wonderful. I enjoy it. Some others maybe not be so popular, but I like it. And let's see what 
Psalm 16, verse 8 through 10 has to say about the resurrection. I have set my, life, my Lord always before me because he is my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope for you would not leave my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And that's, that is the promise of resurrection for the Messiah, for, for Christ. And it goes on to say, you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. On the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter preached the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, and he quotes from this psalm. And it is a psalm of King David. And Peter reminds us that, uh, yes, David was a king, but he was also a prophet. And I would uh, also remind you that he wrote many, many, many of the psalms. So Peter reminds us that King David was a prophet. <clears throat> Next, let's look at Psalm 49. And this one is, uh, this psalm is about why the ungodly prosper while the godly suffer. And we've all uh, wondered that on occasion, I'm quite sure. But the ungodly with all their wealth cannot buy salvation. Herbert Lockyer, and he wrote a whole shelf full of commentaries. And quoting him, he says, the, psalm, the psalmist writes, he says, a million worlds cannot help those who trust in their possessions. And in the end, there are no better than the beasts that perish. Do you place your faith in gold or God? But what we're most concerned with here is verse 14 and 15. It tells us that death and destruction is coming, but in verse 15 the subject changes from gloom and doom to resurrection. But God, will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. So now let us take a look at the book of Job. Here we have Job expressing his hope of resurrection. He had a pair of comforters that, uh, or three comforters that, uh, was with him that uh, they were really, a, as the old saying goes, they were a piece of work. They were absolutely, they were there as his, mainly as his tormentors is what it looks like to me. So let's look at Job chapter 14, verses 13 through 15. It says there, oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would, Conceal me until your wrath is past, 
that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. And if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes and you shall call and I will answer. You know, this verse reminds me of the Jesus calling Lazarus from the grave. I've always wondered what kind of questions people ask Lazarus when he comes from the grave. What was it like to die? Where was he? Where did he spend his time? In whose presence? And all of those things that uh, the Bible promises. But it is an interesting question. Job was, I mean, uh, Lazarus was in the grave for four days and that was long enough for putrefaction to start. But Job is talking of a much longer time. In verse 12 he says, A man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more, which was a very long day. And now we come to the last of the Old Testament passages of Scripture that uh, we'll deal with. There's, there's many more. This is in some ways the clearest and the most beautiful of all. Job chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. And that is a, a request or a prayer that was answered. <laughs> His words were written down in the Bible, in God's word. And nowhere else would, could they be so permanent. Oh, that, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book that they were engraved in a rock. with an iron pen and lead forever. That was a question, or a custom in the old days to take and pick out the letters in a large stone or a cliff face and then fill the letters with lead to make them permanent. But Job goes on and says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Amen, so do I. And he is here this morning. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him and not another. I find it wonderful that Job says, not maybe, not a probably, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And so he does. As that old song says up here, he's in my heart today. Also, Job longed for a redeemer, a Goel, a kinsman redeemer that can only be Jesus Christ, who is also our kinsman redeemer. Our Emmanuel, God with us. 
Jesus was and is our Emmanuel. He came into the world as a God and man. And that's an interesting thought. Someone once wrote that uh, they worked with a Muslim and that he always asked her the question to kind of get her, throw her off guard that said, uh, your Bible claims that Jesus was both God and man and he can't be both. Now, which is he? Well, the answer to that plain, he was both, 100% both. He was man and God. As man, he lived a perfect, sinless life. He kept the law. As God, he went to the cross for my sins and your sins. And how wonderful that is. And again, we celebrate his resurrection this day. We are a few. I wish we were many. But all of us here this day remember that this, we're celebrating the resurrection of our, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was and he is our kinsman redeemer. Job, tormented by his terrible illness and enduring the insults of his so-called comforters, cries out, I know that my Redeemer lives. And again this morning, can we along with Job say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Again, he lives within my heart. I remember the day very well, and it was a church like this, a lot like this. The, I don't remember the sermon, but I just remember that in that sermon I had in that time had a terrible, terrible burden on my heart. And I asked the Lord into my heart, and He came and changed me from that not too nice a fellow. And interestingly enough, and before we started the service, I told someone that I never thought in my wildest dreams I would be a preacher. The Lord can do some of the strangest things with some of the strangest people, and I think that's exactly what he done with me. I had one, one co-worker, and I was a, a Little Rock fireman for 21 years, and he came in to visit, and I was not there. And he wanted to know where I was, and they told him I was retired and that I was a Baptist preacher, and it, he was aghast. That's what God can do. Not me, God. So I know my Redeemer lives. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. Take me a minute to get there. Somewhere, there it is. And at Matthew 28 to chapter 28, and the heading over this chapter in my Bible is, He is risen. And, and the answer 
is he has risen indeed. How wonderful that is. He says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. We find later on that the disciples were accused of stealing the body of Jesus. They didn't have to. But in any case, if you were going to make a case for faking a resurrection, you would send women to the tomb. Women in those days were not held in high regard. If I remember correctly, they were not able to testify in court. And there was an old saying and maybe a prayer in some instances in that day that's kind of insulting to women then and now. And it goes like this, and I do hope I, you're not insulted, but it goes like this. Thank God I was not born a woman. Now that's, uh, that's, that's harsh if you think about it. But you wouldn't send someone, a woman, to the, to the, to the grave as a witness of the resurrection, or the, the fake resurrection. You would send a man or men there because they could testify in court. Matthew 28, verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came down and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now someone has uh, calculated for us what maybe a stone door like that would uh, be like and how, how much it would lay. weigh. It was like a round disc cut out of stone, and it rolled in a track. And uh, the story is it'd take about 20 men to move it, but one angel was sufficient. Matthew chapter 28, verse 3. This angel. It was the angel. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And there was a, something about this angel that when he encountered the soldiers, they fainted, actually fainted dead away. He was frightening to them. And I, you know, it kind of reminds me of the fact that the gospel either hardens the heart or it softens it. <clears throat> the good news of God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's hardened the hearts of many since that day, since that time. And by the way, it hardened mine for a very long time as well. I was, a, I was in my 40s before I came to the Lord. But eventually, the gospel found a, a small little crack somewhere in this old stony heart. And what a difference it's made.
was something about that countenance that uh, absolutely frightened those Roman soldiers into to fainting. By the way, those are people who were pretty hardened people. They saw lots of death and destruction, and it was probably the same crew that did perform the, the crucifixion, I would suspect. But notice that something changed again when the angel began to speak to the women, verses five, verse 5. He is here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy and to bring his disciples the word. They were a little fearful of that angel, but they not fearful enough to run away or faint. His, something again changed. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So we came and held it. they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The resurrected Lord saying, Rejoice. And they had every reason in the world to rejoice. This here is this. Jesus, even after many times he had told them that he was going to be crucified and raised from the dead on the third day, they, after he was crucified and put in the grave, they didn't expect it. They thought it was going to be a death just like every other death, that you die and you're put in the grave and everybody forgets about you. Not so. Our risen Savior... Death could not hold him down. There's, a, there's an old song when I, I heard the last couple of days is, when I hear that trumpet sound, ain't nobody going to hold this body down. And nobody could hold the body of Jesus down either. I, I often wonder what the Sadducees and the Jewish authorities thought, thought, found, thought when they found out that Jesus was alive. And they had to know that it was true. There's too many witnesses during that day. And I'll share some of that with you in a, in a minute. But there's just too many witnesses to the resurrection for us not to believe, to believe anything else. Now, the Jewish authorities paid the soldiers. Uh, let me share that with you. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. We were guarding the grave. An angel appeared, and we all fainted. And the, and the disciples came and, dis, and carried his body away. That's the story that they concocted. 
and tell them, and, and if he come, if it comes to the governor's ears, that's Pontius Pilate, we will appease, appease him and make you secure. In other words, they're securing the lie as well. So here we have the they stole the corpse theory. And it's used to explain away the resurrection. There are a number of theories and reasons put out there explaining it in a way, but well, here's one who shares the, the swoon theory. Jesus fainted on the cross from ill treatment. They put him in the grave, and in the cool grave, he recovered. And by the way, this man who had been crucified, beaten to almost to death, had to move a two-ton stone by himself to get out. That's the swoon theory. And then there's the hallucination, and these are ridiculous, by the way. Here's the hallucination theory. Everybody that saw Jesus was hallucinating, and there was hundreds, if not thousands, of people that saw him. And then the most almost laughable one of all, there's the wrong tomb theory that not only the women but all the disciples went to the wrong, not to, just to the wrong tomb but to the wrong graveyard. <coughs> now some people would not believe in, in the resurrection if they were present when it happened. And the Jewish authorities, I think, were some of those. They, they saw the ministry of Jesus. They saw his miracles. They saw what he did. They saw him bring it was the, the little girl, Jair, uh, the daughter of Jairus, who raised her from the dead. The little widow of Nain's son, on the way to the cemetery to bury him, the, the Lord resurrected him. And then there's Lazarus. And by the way, they wanted to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. There was many witnesses to the resurrection. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verses 1 through 11. Moreover, brethren, I would declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you were to stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I del deliver to you, first of all, that that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Praise the Lord, he rose again. He rose again on the third day according to the scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas, by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, Last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, 
for I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. He didn't, Jesus didn't hide himself away just to be seen by a precious few people. He was seen by many people. We can safely say Jesus rose again from the grave. Job asked the question, if a man dies, will he live again? And the answer is a resounding yes. Because Jesus lives, we shall live. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am he who is dead and I am alive forevermore. That's Jesus. What a wonderful fact and what a wonderful thing. All men will die. Death has been proved to be 100% in all generations. And the scriptures tell us that all men will be resurrected. Some to everlasting life. Those that know Jesus. Those that claim him as the Lord and the Savior. Those who place their hope upon him and not upon themselves are anything that they possess or depend upon the faith of parents or children or somebody else we have to depend upon Jesus Christ he is our hope so some will be raised to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt we have the choice which is life or death. If a man dies, will he live again? Yes. Now, we don't know when we're going to go, but I want you to know this this morning. I have placed my faith in Jesus. He is my hope. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And I am proud this morning to say he is risen and he is alive. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just bow before you again to praise your holy name. Lord, we are sinners pure and simple, but you have saved us and we thank you. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, I pray that they might come forward and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the only way. And yes, Lord, if a man dies, he will live again, hopefully forever with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.